Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. We're created to do good things, to show that God's good. Look at this verse, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. God saved you by his grace when you did what? When you believed. And you can't take credit for it. It's a gift from God. Everybody that comes to salvation can say, well, I'm better than you. No, it's a gift. We're all equal. We all needed God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. She wasn't forgiven because she poured this expensive one-year thing on Jesus. So none of us can boast about it. Ever since Adam and Eve disobeyed God, man has been trying to get back into a right relationship with God. Too often, we've ignored God's clear plan of restoration in favor of trying to do it our own way. Pastor Mark will be finishing up the story of the Pharisee and the unrighteous woman who anointed Jesus' feet with expensive perfume. He'll be teaching about how we need to have a sense of our neediness when we're approaching God. It's so good to know that God is waiting and always available to us. We need to understand that God is accessible only on his terms, not ours, but that he waits for us to come to him openly. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in the book of Luke as he continues his message, You Have Been Given Much. Jesus says, I don't care what sins. He says, the sinful woman and the self-righteous religious leader, both of them needed forgiveness. But Simon was self-righteous and hopeless in the debt. He never received God's forgiveness. But here, the grateful prostitute is forgiven and gets a new start. Now, When that happened, here you are in this scenario. Remember, Jesus did things that people couldn't expect. When Jesus says to this woman who's a prostitute in the town, your sins, your many sins are forgiven. What are the other people thinking in there? You have to remember what the Jewish people are. The Jewish people in those days, they knew this as a fact. Today, sorry to say, when you go to Israel, the majority of Jews, they do cultural things. They do Shabbat and those kind of things. But most of the Jews today don't even believe in God anymore. You say, well, that's a shame. Well, hello, America used to be a Christian nation. That ain't true anymore either. You understand that, so don't point fingers. But in those days, they knew that who forgave sin? Who did they know? Because of all their sacrifice, who did they know forgave sin? God. So watch this, watch this question that comes up in those days. Here it comes. Verse 49. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this? Who even forgives sins. So they hear Jesus say to this woman, your sins are forgiven. They know only God forgives sins. So here's what they're saying. Who does this Jesus guy think he is? Like God? Say with me, yes. 
is God. Would you write this down? Sometimes we forget what that looks like. Simple station. Only God can forgive sin. No man can forgive sin. You can't work to get your sin debt paid. Jesus is God. Do you know this morning, Jehovah's Witness doesn't believe Jesus is God. The Mormons don't believe Jesus is God. The Jewish people don't believe Jesus is God. All the two billion Muslim people do not believe Jesus is God. He's just another prophet. In fact, he's second class under Muhammad. There's no name under heaven by where a man may be saved. The name Jesus Christ. You say, well, I don't believe it. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Your unbelief doesn't change truth. It's true. I say it as kindly as I can. So that was the thing. This is impossible. He can't be God. No, he is God. Now, verse 50 is a fantastic verse. And Jesus said to the woman, can you hear this? Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Wow. Gone like that. You see, she was not forgiven because she was generous with her gift. Jesus said, what saved her? Tell me. Faith. See, works don't save us. But there is a place for works in our life. And I'll teach you that in a couple of weeks when I'm on that passage. I want you to read that. You know this passage, but it's good for you to see where good works. After we're saved, we're created to do good things, to show that God's good. Look at this verse, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. God saved you by his grace when you did what? When you believed. And you can't take credit for it. It's a gift from God. Everybody that comes to salvation can say, well, I'm better than you. I'm a... No, it's a gift. We're all equal. We all need a God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. She wasn't forgiven because she poured this expensive one-year thing on Jesus. So none of us can boast about it. For we're God's masterpiece. This woman was changed. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. Watch this. So we can do good things he planned for us long ago. Watch me. Salvation comes first by grace and faith. Then come the good works. You got it? Good works don't do this. It doesn't get you salvation. But we'll see next time I teach the parable of the sower. Are you really producing good works? Fruit of the Spirit? All those kind of things. I'll give you five keys and when I teach on it. It's powerful. But it works never save us. So she was saved by faith and by God's grace. Now, as we start chapter 8, let me give you a context. Historically, we know that the Jewish leaders all through the Old Testament, and even up to this time of Jesus, they treated women as inferior. God never treated women as inferior. But the story we just read and the verses that follow, we see the revolutionary ministry Jesus had toward women. Jesus' ministry spanned all social and moral backgrounds. He didn't care where people came from. He didn't care about the color of their skin. He didn't care if they were a man or a woman. He didn't care about any of that. Women played an incredible, very important role in the ministry of Jesus. That's one of the great things about our church, I told you. I'm so glad that women and men, it's nothing. Everybody is equal 
under God. Can I hear an amen? I don't care what color your skin is, what language you speak, where you came from, what we're all equal under God. And the more diverse we get, let's look like the United Nations in here sometime. It's fantastic because that's what it's going to be like in heaven. Amen. You're here and say, no, I'm going to have this little private room over here with people with IQ of 112 and they have a skin color. Forget it. You keep thinking like that, you ain't going to be there anyway. You're going to be where it's so hot, nobody will tell you because you're all going to be red. Okay, let me move on from that right away. Can I hear an amen right there? Come on, that's exactly right. So we're proud. We don't build the church, God does it. So let's begin in verse, chapter 8, verse 1. Watch this. After this, so there's a change in Jesus' ministry. He traveled from one town and village to another proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God and the 12 were with him. So watch me. Here he's been in, in uh, the northern part of Israel. We were just there around the Galilee. Capernaum is his headquarters. But now he's going to travel to the south. He's going to travel all over Israel. And he's got his disciples with him. Now I'm going to challenge you in the last few minutes because I want you to see this. It's very powerful. Most of you would never ask this question that I'm going to ask you. And you would never even think about this question. But I want you to think about it because it's relevant to where we are. Here's the question. As Jesus changed ministry and he goes all over Israel, how did Jesus fund his mission to take the gospel to all of Israel? Where did he get the food, money, place to stay, resources? How did he fund it? He said, well, Pastor Mark... You're the pastor. You know well how he did it. Jesus was God. Well, yeah, he was God. But when he came to earth, how did he come? As a man. He didn't go out in the morning and say, God, we need 243 shekels today. Thank you so much. (laughs) No. You see, when again, none of you would ever think about that. Did he have to have that? Of course, we know that finance was such a big deal that he even had a treasure with him, remember, to handle all the money. The treasure wasn't too good with accounting. His name was Judas, but he was the treasure. So Jesus looked to God's way to provide for him financially. Where God guides, God provides So what is God's way to fund the ministry? It's never changed from the Old Testament to right now today. I want you to write two things down. Here we go. Number one, the mission of the church must be funded. It's not not an option. It must be funded. And who is to do that? Right here. God designed all Christ followers to generously fund the mission of of the church. So who is that? That's you. If you're a guest this morning, that's not you. If you're not a Christian this morning, that's not you. How are we able here at CCM to have video campuses? How are we able to do that? You're sitting in a nice sanctuary. How many are glad this morning that the sanctuary is clean? Are you glad? How many glad for air conditioning? Pull both hands up right now. I know, especially you ladies with menopause. All three hands go up. 
Exactly. Don't laugh. I lived with one. So, okay. How many are glad you have incredible facilities for your children to be taken care of? Parking lot, lights, video, thousands. You can raise your hands. I can't see you, but thousands of people are watching right now around the world. How many are so glad to hear the word of God through this ministry, through the TV and the internet and the staff that we have and all the, how many glad to have pastors and staff people here that can counsel and touch your hearts and minister to you? Well, how do, how do we get that? How do we fund it? It's you. That's where the problem is. We're doing fine. But I want to share with you something. First, if you're new, and all of you that have been coming here for a long time, you know we have never and never will ever push you to try to give. How many know that's true? It's not going to happen. You're not going to hear me. Uh, but I do have an envelope for everyone at the end of the day. No, I do not. But I was praying this week because I knew this was here. And I thought, well, how did Jesus do this? But the Bible tells us one thing. You have not because you ask not. Now, why do we have an issue in the church? I have no idea who gives. I would never do that. I learned that from my dad. You never look at who gives. Because if somebody gives a lot of money, and then you look at them, you go, well, they're asking for this. I better be kind to them or whatever. I don't look at anybody like that. Or if nobody gives, they go, well, I don't care about you around here because you don't give any money. Why are you spending my time here? So I'm human, so I don't look at any of that. Now, if any of you are nervous right now and you're sweating profusely and asking for a towel, (laughs) that's God speaking to you. (laughs) Let me tell you what happens. And just look around all the sanctuary you're sitting right now. I don't know what's true exactly, obviously, for our campus, but I do know this in the United States. And I'll be generous with this statement. 90% of Christ followers, 90% do not tithe. So look around you. Nine out of ten people do not fund the ministry. Now, in a business, that's unsustainable. You got it? But we're we're fine. So it's probably 20% of you give. So eight out of ten don't give on a regular basis of anything at all. And yet you sit and do what? Enjoy all the benefits. Freely you received your salvation. You should what? Freely give. Now, thousands of you give regular. Can I just challenge over the next two weeks? Just begin praying. God, why am I like that? Why don't I give with generosity? You won't hear that after we give you the figures. I'll kind of give you an update as we're doing, but you're not going to hear. Every week you come back, you're not going to hear this. We never do that. But if you don't know the need, you can't pray about it. And the need is in front of me. It's the people who haven't been generous with God. By the way, God's been generous. And wait till you, I'll talk to you two weeks from today about how God's been generous to us. You see, understand this little statement I have for you. Are you, I want you to think about it this morning. Are you generously giving to provide for your church? We've been exquisitely simple The buildings that you sit in are not glamorous. They're very functional. Everything we've done all these years, I managed the pharmacy department of millions of dollars. 
In 25 years, I never laid one person off because I managed a department thin. The way we manage this church is very thin in numbers of people that work here because I learned to do that. I want to make God look good. It's his money. It's not your money. It's not my money. We're average people here. I drive a Camry. We have an old seven-year Rev. You won't find me. And nothing wrong if you have the brand new Lexus or whatever. Praise God. If you have an extra one, just drop it off. My address is... No, I'm just jashing you. How many of you know the stuff we have isn't what life's about? It isn't long before you're gone and I'm gone. And you're going to give it to your kids. And about two years, you're going to go through all of it. And be glad you're in heaven because you'd had a heart attack if you're here watching them do it. Could I hear it? Amen. So let's just get serious and give it to God. Amen. So I just want to challenge you with that this morning. I know some of you will email me, whatever. That's fine. That's good. Okay. Email me with a check. All right, here we go. So how did the mission of Jesus be funded? We get an answer in verse 2. Look at it. Who was there with Jesus as he began to go all through the place? The 12 are with him. And look at verse 2. And also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. One of them, Mary Magdalene, from whose seven demons came out. We got to see something for the very first time in Israel. A place called Magdala along the Sea of Galilee. I just want to show you some pictures. Very simple. This is probably the greatest discovery in the last 50 years in Israel. This site is the first century synagogue right on the Sea of Galilee that Mary Magdala, town that she lived in, the first synagogue that no question at all that Jesus walked in and taught in this synagogue 2,000 years ago. Every time you unearth something in Israel, it just proves the Bible over and over and over again. They didn't just find the synagogue. They're in the process of unearthing the whole town that was there in Jesus' day. Now, this woman called Mary, she was amazing because she lived in this town and she became rich in this town through the kind of things that she did. But Magdala in those days was known as a kind of a Las Vegas in our kind of day. Mary grew up and fell prey somehow to seven evil spirits that Jesus set her free from. Do you know who the first person was to meet Jesus after he was resurrected? Mary Magdalene. Do you think she was grateful? Freely you've received, freely give. So Mary is one that funded, you'll see it, from her own resources, the ministry of Jesus, and she followed him. Next, look at verse 3. Joanna, the wife of Cusa, the manager of Harold's household. So here we see that the gospel reached into the palace of Herod. Wow. God help it reach the Supreme Court and the Congress and the United States today. Amen. I mean, unbelievable. And then we have Susanna. We don't know anything about her. But notice this. And many others... What did many others do? Look at the last sentence. These women 
We're helping to support them, Jesus and his mission. Say it with me. Out of their own means. Hello, Calvary Chapel. That's where it is. You say, Pastor Mark, well, it really isn't biblical. It's 100% biblical. This is the way God designed it. That we would, not only with finances, but with our gifts and our talents. You know, all these places where thousands of volunteers make this place happen. Thank you so much. That's the way it is. But sometimes in our world, money is the biggest God that we have. Get control of that and help God speak to you generously. Now, I want to end with a prayer for people who have never heard these words. Your sins have been forgiven. See, it's never about money. Jesus went to the cross and paid for you. He paid for the whole world. And in a moment, I want every Christian to be praying for the person next to you. Maybe you brought a guest today. You see, one day you will die. And you're going to live somewhere forever with God in heaven or in hell with Satan. After you die, there's no second chance. There's no such thing called purgatory. You don't get another shot at it. There's no such thing called coming back again as the Buddhists believe. There's no reincarnation. The Bible simply says it like this. It is appointed unto man once to die, and after death, the judgment. So you will either stand before God and be judged for your sins, or you will stand before him as a savior, because your sins have already been done. This woman, her sins were what? Forgiven. No longer accounted to her. Forgiven. And cast as far as the east is from the west. And here's what I want this morning. I want many of you who have never been really born again, This lady left that house very different than she came in. She left in peace. You can't buy it. It's a gift from God. Peace with God. Why? Because your sins are forgiven. Some of you have fallen away from God. Let me say this kindly to you. Because of all the counseling I do at the end of service and stuff, it just reminds me. Some of you are here, and you claim to be a believer, but your actions are the farthest thing from a believer in marriages and in homes. And I'll ask people, well, is your wife a believer, your husband? Well, they come to church and say they are. But when they tell me what's happening, Jesus is reading your mind right now. He knows who the real you is. I don't. You don't want to try to fool God. Don't be a Simon. Well, I'm better than they are. Get real. And let God change your heart today. Like that, he can change your life and give you a brand new start. The woman in this story was obviously what we would call of ill repute. The Pharisee, on the other hand, was considered an upstanding member of the community. As Pastor Mark taught, Jesus clearly was not impressed by either of their reputations, but looked at their heart attitudes in making his determination of their fitness for the kingdom of God. May we emulate the woman's attitude towards God in our lives. 
Maybe you're listening right now and God has placed a certain person on your heart that needs to hear this message. Or maybe you'd like to share it with all of your friends. There's a simple way to share this message. Log on to Lessons for Living Radio and click on the radio program option in the main menu. There, you'll find the Lessons for Living media player. In the Messages tab, simply click on Today's Date. Then you can share today's message directly on your Facebook page, Twitter feed, or send a link via email. You can even embed today's message directly. Again, to share today's message with friends and family members, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Click on the radio program button, then simply click on today's date. You'll find all the options to share. Well, after getting a glimpse of what heart attitude Jesus is looking for, Pastor Mark will continue teaching from Luke 8. He'll be teaching about the qualities needed to be a true follower of Jesus, using Jesus' parable of the sower, the seed, and the soil. We'll be discovering what can prevent God's Word from taking root in our hearts and what we need to do to stay close to God. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.